As we conclude our series, uh, we are going to look at how to deal with an unknown future. A lot of people spend their lives worrying about tomorrow. In fact, I'm, I'm beginning to realize that we have more plans about 10 years down the road than we have about today. I'm not against planning, but somehow we are more focused uh, on our future than we are on our present. And some people can get so futuristic that they don't get to enjoy the present life. Always use this example of how sometimes parents operate. That they will want to build a nice house and have the best furniture, save all the money in the bank, and nothing is wrong, that's, that's all good and noble. They will never eat ice cream because they think it is a waste of money, it's too expensive and they need to put up that money for their kids. They never want to put their legs up on their sofas because they don't want to mess it up because they want it to be in good condition for the kids. But what happens is that when those kids get old, they take, the first thing they do is they take that money and they buy ice cream. And they eat ice cream. And they jump on the same furniture that they didn't want to put their legs on. And then after a while, they just take it and they throw it out of the house because, you know, things have upgraded and updated. So what you find sometimes is that we don't enjoy our present life because we're preparing for a future that we're not sure we're going to have. It's like this man that the Bible speaks of, that he had a big harvest. And so he could have given to people, but he decided, no, you know what, I'm going to build more barns so I can keep it. And, and the scripture said that God said, you fool. Tonight, your soul will be demanded of you. Meaning that you're going to die tonight. You're trying to do all of this when you're going to die? How many of you in here know when you're going to die? I suspect none of us knows. So why are you planning for 25 years from now when you don't know if you're going to live the next 25 seconds from now? So how do we, how do we plan but not plan? Because are we supposed to live and not have a plan for tomorrow? We need to have a plan. But know that, nevertheless, not my will, but thine will be done. So in my planning, man, I'm going to enjoy the days that the Lord has given me. This is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice. I'm not saving my rejoicing for 25 years down the road. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to enjoy right now. I'm planning for the future, but right now, I'm enjoying right now. I'm not going to wait until retirement to start enjoying life because I don't know that I'm going to make it to retirement. Amen? Listen, let me help you. If you're single, don't wait until you get married to enjoy life. You better enjoy it now. Amen? People are so wrapped up with tomorrow that they never enjoy today because they fear what the future may bring. 
In, in Psalm 23, there is no fear of the future. There is no anxiety. There is no worry about tomorrow. The author has confidence. The author has hope. So we too can be free from anxiety. We too can be free from fear and free from worry. We can live in confidence. We can live in confidence. We can live in confidence. I mean, I know you don't know if you're going to get back your job. I know you don't know if the tourism industry going to rebound. I know you, you, you don't know. If, if, if You don't know. Listen, you can still have hope if God is in control. So I'm going to give you three simple things. Why can, why can you be confident when you don't know what is going to happen? I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. And his name is Jesus. Listen, even if the future don't look good, I'm living with the good Lord. And if the good Lord is going to go with me into the future, no matter what the future brings, God is going to make me look good in it. Amen? So I don't know who holds tomorrow. I don't know how tomorrow looks, but I know who holds it. His name is Jesus. And if God is in control of my tomorrow and I'm in the control of God, that means God will cause me to be able to control my tomorrow when I get there. I can have that confidence and you can have that confidence. And there are three reasons. So let me begin with number one. The first reason why you can have confidence about your future is because God is watching over you. When God is watching over you, you have confidence about the future. You don't have to worry about tomorrow. You can say, God is still in control and he's watching over me. So the psalmist says, surely goodness will follow me. Surely goodness. There's a confidence that, listen, because God is watching over me and God is a good God, then if God is watching over me and he's a good God, then surely goodness will be following me. Amen? Because God is good, I can expect that no matter what happens to me, God will bring good out of it somehow. Do you believe that? That because God is good, no matter what happens to me, God will bring good out of it somehow. In other words, if unemployment comes, God will bring good out of it. If the salary is reduced, God will bring good out of it. If the hotel never calls you back, God will bring good out of it. If the business shut down, God will bring good out of it. If someone should pass away, God will bring good out of it because the psalmist says, surely goodness will follow me. Like what the psalmist speaks about in Psalm 145. It's not in the notes. I want to read it for you. It says so much. And all Psalm 145 is teaching is that God cares about the details of our lives. Understand that. God cares about every itsy, bitsy detail of your life and my life. Psalm 145, it says, I will extol you, my God, O King. And I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you. And I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. 
One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all. And his tender mercies are over all his works. All your works shall praise you, O Lord. And your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom. And talk of your power. To make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generation. Listen to this. It says, verse 14. The Lord upholds all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look expectantly to you. Listen to this. And you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desires of those who fear him. He also will hear their cry and save them. The Lord preserves all who love him. But all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord. And all flesh shall bless his holy name. Forever and ever. God cares about the details of your life. This big God. That they speak of. Is concerned about little you. And little me. See, when we have a personal relationship with God, he's always concerned about us. Why? Because he wants the best for us. Because he loves us. God always wants what's best for you. Every day. On your worst days, God is good. Because he wants what's best for you. Surely goodness will follow. What does he mean by that? It means that God will ensure that good will come out. Good will come out. You have to, listen, when, he, when, when I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but, but when December 31st ends, you get to January 1, 2020, and you look back, you will realize that so much good came out of such a bad year. Imagine this was such a bad year and you still experience God's goodness. Imagine when it's a good year. If this was such a bad year and you still experience God's goodness, imagine if it was a good year. It, it is looking back and you say, listen, Man, I am so glad. As bad as things were, you see, out of this COVID thing, I drew closer to the Lord. Out of this COVID thing, I got some new ideas. Out of this COVID thing, there was a bond in a family. Out of this whole experience, when you look back, you will see that good came out of what you went through. And so when I go into 2021, I'm saying, no, no matter what happens in 2021, good is going to come out of it for me. 
Because God always wants what's best for me. And so Paul says in Romans 8.28, And we know that all things work together for good. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So I know, come what may, whether it's a fire or a storm or it's a blessing, all things are going to work for my good because I'm loved by the Lord. Why are all things working for our good? All things are working for our good because God cares for us. He protects us and he watches over us. God cares for you. He cares for you. When you're in a relationship with him, he cares for you. However, this promise is not for all people. In fact, the verse says that the promise is only intended for a specific people, for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes. So if you're not in a love relationship with God, this promise is conditional. It doesn't apply to you. And sometimes we believe that because it is in the Bible, it's for everybody. Not everything in the Bible is for everybody. Some things in the Bible are for the children of God. The good shepherd takes care of his own sheep. One thing you will know in life is that even with dogs that are common pets, people don't like when you feed them dog. They say, don't feed me dog. Because... They realize if you start feeding their dogs, then the loyalty of the dog change. If you have a good dog, right? You don't want your dog over your neighbor yard go eat every day. Because all of a sudden, where people eat, people sleep. And where people sleep, people live. That is why dating and cooking are so closely tied. Because if you start cook for you, and you start eat there, you're going to want to start stay there. That's how dogs operate too. They eat there, and they start stay there. You want to win over a pet, you feed them. God takes care of his own sheep. He's not going to go into a next person's sheep pen and feed your sheep. All things don't work together for all, for good for all people in the world. That's not what this verse says. What it implies is that God watches out for his own. So if you're a believer, the Bible says that all things are working for your good. Not everything is good. But God is able to cause all things to work for your good. Not everything is good. It's not going to be good all the times. It means that when bad things happen, God will cause it to work good, work for good. Bad things happen to believers just as much as they happen to non-believers. The only difference is, is because we have a relationship with God, when bad things happen to us, God will cause good to come out of it. That's the difference. The difference is our relationship with God. In fact, the greatest illustration about this fact is the crucifixion of Jesus. 
God took one of the worst days in history. The day that Jesus Christ was crucified. And he made good come out of it. He took the execution of an innocent man. And brought salvation by it. God was able to take an awful day. And turn it into a glorious day. And this shows how big our God is. He can take the worst. And he can make it into the best. God cares about you. He watches over you. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are not plans to harm you. They are good plans to give you a future and a good end. God's plan for your future is not a harmful one. 2021, if you are on God's side, it's going to work for your good. Stand that. But it happens for those in a relationship with the Lord. You see, oftentimes though, it is difficult to see God's goodness when you're going through hardship. How, how can I be going through fire? And then you're saying that it is the goodness of God. How can I be going through floods? And you're saying it is God. How can people be hurting me? And you're saying it is God. You see, many times when you're going through difficulties... You don't feel goodness. It don't look good. That's, that's, and that's a hard thing for many believers. Like, If God was really good, why would I be going through this? Have you ever felt like that? Like, If, if God were really good, why, why is this happening to me? Why? Why is this happening to me? But once you have gone through the thing, and you look back. Oftentimes when we look back, here's what we say. It was the Lord. And we say, look what the Lord has done. So here's what we sang. All my life, you have been faithful. And all my life, you have been so, so good. Do you know what you were singing about? You weren't singing about your future. You were singing about your past. That song is saying, when I look back at where I was and where I am. All I see up to this point is the goodness of God. So when the psalmist says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. What he's saying is that when I look back at where I've been, what I've been through, the only reason why I'm here today is because of the goodness of God. You see, when I was going through what I was going through, I didn't know. But now that I'm through what I went through, I know that it was the goodness of God. Do you understand that? Can, can, don't, don't you have that same testimony that when I look back, all I see is the goodness. It never, so right now you may be going through something and it don't feel good. Don't worry about it. When you look back, you'll realize that even this thing that I went through, God used it for my good and for his glory. Amen. Come on, clap your hands to Jesus this morning. Come on, come on, help me. This is Brother Desmond. Let me just, Brother Desmond, come on, help me. I don't know how this is going to work on the video. We have to, we have to do this social distancing so. Six, six, six tiles apart. There we go. Amen. Hallelujah. So, De Brother Desan is goodness, right? So, this is a fire in front of me. All right? Many of us would think, if goodness is surely following me, I'm not supposed to go in the fire or go through the fire. But here's the thing. I'm, I'm walking through the fire. 
So I've just gone through my fire. I've just gone through my roundabout in life. And then I'm going through a flood. I'm going through, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. There was another in the fire. Um, you know, the, the Daniel in the lion's den. I feel like I'm Daniel in the lion. I'm going through unemployment. They turned me down at the embassy. I didn't want to go foreign go get a job, but they never give me the visa. Me still there, Jamaica stuck. They reduced my salary that was minimum wage by 75%. I can't bother with the church. I'm going to change the one because the pastor just attacked my business. Imagine me thinking that I'm going to marry me or she going to marry me. And she go marry the youth. The whole she will marry the youth over me. You understand me? You understand me? Look how me nice. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to make it, boy. I don't know how people have... Me, me have one, one look of pity and I can't even manage. Hey, Jesus and peace. I don't know how the body I get pity for. All right, thank you, Brother Desmond. Listen... And when you realize that, goodness didn't stop me from going through what I was going through. But everything that I went through, goodness was following me. You see what happened when I look back? Listen, the only way I see goodness is by looking back at Brother Desmond. See, but when I'm going through the fire, it's not going to feel good. It's not good. Listen, don't be fooled. It is not good going through fire. It's not good going through divorce. It's not going, going through a broke. But here's the thing. When you get through it and you look back, you say, I thank God. Have you ever heard people say, I have no regrets? Because when I look back, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and what he has done for me, my soul, you understand? It's not that when you were going through the thing, it felt good. It's just that when I look back, you know that God worked that for my good. It was meant to destroy me, but Jesus kept me. It was meant to devastate me, but God directed me. He led me. He encouraged me. And here's it. So the song that we said, it says, I seen you move. You move the mountain. And I believe you can what? Do it again. It means that if God's goodness kept me through fire, kept me through flood in 2020, I have no need to fear 2021 because the same God that did it before, he will what? Do it again. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. It's not that goodness is behind me, but when I look back, I see goodness. God watches over us. Psalm 91.11 says, For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. But that's not all. If you know Jesus as your savior, then God is not only watching over you, but God is working in you. He's not just over you, but God is working in us. 
Hallelujah. Come on, just put your hand in your chest and say, God is working in me. Oh, Jesus. Listen, I had some tests this year, man. I sang, God is working in me. Because he's maturing me. You see, I had to know a, a, a different way of doing Bible study and doing church. And say, challenge me. So I know that God was working in me to bring out a greater thing. If it were up to me, I'd put aside the challenges and do things the easier way. But God. But, but, but here, here the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 60 verse 10 says, The sons of foreigners shall build up your walls, and your kings shall minister to you. Watch this. Get this. For in my wrath I struck you, but in my favor I had mercy on you. It's like God took up his belt and said, I'm going to give you. I'm so angry, I'm going to. And then Jesus, but in, in my favor, I had mercy on you. And when he took up the belt to give you the belt buckle, Jesus just stepped in. Because Jesus represents favor, grace, and mercy. So whatever you were supposed to get from God, Jesus took it. Do you get that? Whatever, what, when God gets angry, or when God decides I'm going to pour my wrath out on you, here's what happened. In his favor, but in my favor, I have had mercy on you. That speaks of, because of Jesus, I have mercy on you. So, so to understand mercy, you have to understand grace. Because the scripture says, surely goodness and what? And mercy. So we have dealt with goodness. Because it is not good to only have goodness. If you have goodness and no mercy, you're going to be in problems. Come on, just, 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 just say, Lord Jesus, I need mercy. Listen, if, if you don't need mercy, dog, near me supper. We need mercy. But we also need grace. So what is grace? You ha- they have this uh, way they say, God's riches at Christ's expense. We need grace. What is grace? Grace is all God's able to do For us, because of Christ. That's what grace is. All that God is able to do for you. Because of who? Because of Christ. In other words, without Christ, there is no grace. Let me say that again. Without Christ, there is no grace. Everything that God does for you and God does for me is because of Christ. Because Christ is grace. And if Christ were taken out of the picture, you know like when something is a buffer? You, you know like, do you know why you have, uh, uh, recently I was coming, to, was coming to church. I think I had Sister Tenzi in the car. When you hear this testimony. I had Sister Tenzi. Sister Tenzi in the car. And the windshield is there. As you know, it's called a wind shield. Some call it windscreen. Said so it prevents wind. It was raining. And a truck is passing. Splashes of some water on the windshield. And Sister Tenzi almost burst out of the seatbelt and come over on my side. What? So, so, 
I'm like driving, see, like, you, you have to be very calm. And I'm saying, so what happened? And then she started to laugh and said, boy, <laughs> I did the room and said, we have the windshield. <laughs> but, 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 but how many times? No, but how many times has that happened to you? Like the water bombing. In, in, in that moment, you're just like in shock. All right. That windshield is a buffer from the elements outside of the car that would get in. Because without it, all that water would have come inside, right? Jesus Christ is like that windshield. In other words, when all of the mess from the outside would come in and mess us up, he just stays there and says, even if you get a little scared, it can't touch you. Even if you get a little afraid, just know that you are protected because I'm your windscreen. I'm your windshield. So don't worry about no matter how deep Big, the, the splash is going to be, you have a windshield. It's not even going to get broken. Amen. Amen? Even if a bird comes, sometimes birds will come and bam! And, and, and I mean, you, have, you just know that I have a windscreen. That's grace and mercy. Our windscreen. Grace is the fact that God gives you what you need. Not what you deserve. Grace is the fact that God gives you what you need, not what you deserve. None of us can take what we really deserve. If God were to give you what you deserve, you could not sit in this church. If God were to give me what I deserve, I would not be here. For the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. That's what we need. But what is mercy? Mercy is God holds back what you deserve. You see what you really get, supposed to get? God hold it back because of Jesus. So you see why you need goodness and mercy? Because while you're walking in goodness, you have to ensure that God God is holding back some of what you're supposed to get. Why? Because we still sin. And every time we sin, we're supposed to die. So in the future, you need not only God's goodness, you need his mercy. Why? Because you need his forgiveness. You need his pardon for your sin. You need his healing. And when you understand his grace and his mercy, you will understand that God isn't trying to get even with you. You will understand that you you have no need to fear the future. You'll understand that God is not only been good to you, but he's been merciful to you in handling your mistakes, in handling your sins, in handling your faults. Then you don't have to fear the future. When I have grace and mercy, I don't have to fear the future. I have grace and mercy because God, is the Lord is my shepherd and he's in control. I don't fear the future. I don't care what is going to come. I have my windshield. And they have goodness following me. You see, people fear the future when they don't have grace and mercy. Can you imagine people living without grace? And living without mercy? And living without goodness? Mercy means that when I'm going through a tough time, when I'm going through the fire, when I'm going through the flood, God is there to help me out. 
And so Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may what? Obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So mercy, like goodness, follows us in life. And when I look back, I see God's mercy all over my life. All over my life. If you have ever lied and you're still alive, that's mercy. Listen, if you have ever told a lie in your life and you're right here right now, mercy. I don't care how big the lie is or how small, how black it is or how white it is. If you told a lie and you're still here, that's mercy. You may not feel it, but surely. All the days of my life. I love that. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me. For how long? All the days of my life. My past days, my present days, and my future days. You will never face a day without God's goodness and mercy with you if you have given your life to Jesus Christ. Listen, the greatest thing you can do, man, is I, I tell people, I can't understand. I, I, I think 20 years ago, people were bamboozled to believe that Jesus was coming at 12 o'clock. You remember? 1999, December 31st, 12 o'clock, everybody was told, as a, as a second gone over 12, Jesus went come. So all kind of people get baptized. They call it the new millennium. You remember that? All right. And, and, and half of the people, them, after January 1st, say, hold on, they're but we're still there. We can go back to life as normal. <laughs> right? Because, oh, it's a, a big hoax by the, right? So here's, here, here's the note. If there's any evidence at all that has ever been that people need Jesus, this pandemic has shown us. That the richest of people die and the poorest of people die. What the richest of nations suffer and the poorest of nations suffer. Listen, doctors die, scientists die, it, Christians die, and sinners die. The pandemic has shown you that what is life. Listen, I spoke to someone and I said, listen. All my friends in Kingston have had the COVID. And the, here's what I said. But let me tell you something. And they are very careful people. Wear their mask, sanitize, steer their yard, and still have it. And they said to me, Mr. Pastor, what has happened is that we have been worried about catching it. So why we can't trust that God can protect us from it? Because that's what it's about. Like, you just never know. The pandemic has shown you that you just never know because somebody could have it and them don't know. At the end of the day, so our only hope is in the Lord. What's the point? Therefore, if there has ever been a time, ever been a time when people need to give them life to Jesus, it's not 20 years ago. It is now. 
Because the evidence is there and it is clear. Have to give your life to Jesus. You may not feel it, but surely goodness and mercy will follow me. How can you be sure? How can I be sure, Pastor? How can I be sure that goodness and mercy will follow me? Let me give you why. You want to be sure? Let me give. There's one reason that all of us can be sure. That no matter what goodness and mercy follow you. Because God said it and God cannot lie. God cannot lie. And God's word says that surely goodness and mercy will follow you. But, but what if and suppose there is no supposing in the Bible? God's goodness will provide and protect. God mercy, God's mercy will pardon and forgive. God's goodness will supply. Mercy will soothe. Goodness will help me. Mercy will heal me. Goodness is the fact that God gives us good things in life that we don't deserve. Mercy is that God holds back the condemnation that we do deserve. And we need both of them in our lives if you're going to make it through this year and 2021. Amen? The third point I want to make this morning is that you don't have to fear the future because God is waiting for us. Our heaven is waiting for us. God is, God is not only watching over us. God is not only working in us. God is waiting for us. Hallelujah. Heaven is waiting for us. I mean, how many persons in here want to go to heaven? Come on, just put your hand up if you want to go to heaven. Hallelujah. We all want to go to heaven. How many persons in here say, I'm ready to die? Oh, so you want to go to heaven, but you're not ready to die. Oh, so you're not ready to go to heaven yet then. Oh, oh, you want to go to heaven, but not now. I'm not sure. This is where the church confuses me. Do you want to go to heaven? No? We never know when we want to go to heaven. And we don't want to die. And that's the dilemma. One of the reasons that we have a problem with the future is because we're too earthly focused. Not heavenly focused. And if you focus on earth, you're going to have problems with the things of the earth. The scripture says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He builds it, uh, uh, the psalmist builds it to a crescendo. We are going to heaven. Jesus says the best for last. The best is yet to come. You see, in, in, in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1, Paul says, for we know that if our earthly house, which is our body, this tent, our physical body, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heaven. We have an eternal house in heaven. When we will take off the mortal and put on immortality, we'll take off the corrupt and put on incorrupt. You, do you understand that? That there's a better place than earth that we ought to be preparing for. We are preparing for a future on earth when God has prepared a future in heaven for us. It's kind of funny. Like, people make more preparation for earth than they are making for heaven. 
You remember two weeks ago I said to you. I said this like. I mean, wouldn't it, which, which, which one of these trades are better? Let me ask you the question again. 70 years of torment on earth and eternity at peace with God. Or 70 years of peace on earth and eternity in torment in hell. I, 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 I believe most of us would want torment on earth and peace in heaven. Amen? And I'm saying, because you will live longer in heaven than on earth, because you're living in eternity, eternally, whatever you have to go through on earth, endure it. Because you're going to live longer in eternity. How long is is forever going to last? Because the psalmist says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How long is forever going to last? Forever. Someday your body is going to die. But you aren't. You are going to live forever. In one of two places. Heaven or hell. We were made to last forever. And we're going to last in either heaven or hell. So why are Christians supposed to be the most confident people about the future? As believers, we are supposed to be the most confident. When you walk to work tomorrow and people, say, people talking about 2021, you're supposed to walk there with a confidence because you're a believer. Why, why, but why should I have confidence? The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 6 and 8 says this. So we are always confident. Knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. We are confident, yes, well, please, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. The point is, death for a Christian is a transfer. When you die as a believer, you get promoted. It's a promotion. You're not ready to live until you're ready to die. Listen, you will not enjoy Life on earth until you're ready to leave earth. Say it again. You see, the moment you're ready to die, you're going to start live. Are you ready to die? Uh, thank you. To agreement. See, the problem is that we are so caught up in the pleasures of earth. We're not ready for that yet. I, you know what is so funny? It is these pleasures on earth that are going to separate us from our God. In other words, it's not good for some of us to stay on earth long. Because we may backslide. But that's how we are. People are not ready to live because you're not ready to die. When last have you scoped out your future plans for heaven? But we have other things. Are you preparing for your mansion in heaven? Or are you saving for your mansion on earth? Only a fool would go all through life totally unprepared for something that everybody knows is inevitable. 
Listen, do you know you're going to die? I mean, do you believe all of us are going to die, right? It's coming. It is coming. So, if you know you're going to die, why not prepare for it? Prepare for it. So, maybe if I give you a perspective of what heaven is like, then you'll be, be, begin your preparation. Because maybe you don't understand the glory of heaven. And so you're rather life on earth. What, what is heaven going to be like? In heaven, you're going to be rewarded for your faithfulness to God and your obedience to Jesus. We are going to be reunited with loved ones who know the Lord. We are going to be reassigned work to do, uh, to do that we like to do in heaven. We are going to be free from pain, from sorrow, from suffering, from depression, from fear, according to Revelation 21 verse 4. But, but who is heaven made for? It's not made for everybody. It's, not made, it's, it's made for people who say, God, I want to be a child of God. I want to follow you. I want you to be my Lord. I give you control. Heaven is not made for everyone. First Peter 1 Peter 6 says, To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, that, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, you who, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Everybody is created by God, but not everybody is a child of God. You only become a child of God when you ask him to put you in his family. See, heaven was made for Christians, believers, for those who love Jesus. So if you didn't love Jesus, why would you want to go and be with him for eternity. Let me ask you it another way. How many of you have ever been in love? If you're married, you just have to put up your hand. It's not, you don't have a choice. Everybody has me have a child, but if you're married, you just have to put up your hand. All right. If you have been in love, just put up your hand. I know most of you have been in love. All right. So you can't hide it. You don't think it. Right. Well, here's it. Thank you. I want you to listen to me. When you're in love, one of the things you want to do is to be with the person. Thank you, sir. Amen. I have some agreement. Man, this is so hard. When you are in love, you want to be with the person that you're in love with. Amen. This is, this is like pulling. When you're in love, you want to be with the person that you're in love with. Amen. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We get in there. All right. So, if you are in love with God, you want to be with God. Alright? I am tired of people. I'm going to be very nice. People say, I will go to God's house. I love him, yes, but I'm not ready. Especially for females. I, I will allow men that excuse. But females, I don't allow females with that excuse. Because females don't put up with those things. When they come on to a guy. 
You don't, you don't walk up to a female and, 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 and you keep telling her, yeah, you know, I, I'm deeply in love with you, but I'm not ready to marry you. I'm not ready yet. After a while, she gets frustrated and says, listen, I waste, I waste my time. I'm going about my business. Amen. Can I, uh, amen from some, amen. Single ladies, if you're married, do not say anything. All right, that's not you. So many people do that with God. They don't want to be involved in an intimate love relationship with God. But they want to do everything else with God. They want to sing God's song. You know, like the men, they want to, they want to taste your cooking. They want, to, they want all parts of you, except they don't want to put no ring on your finger. Yeah, they, they, they have to do a song for them, call it no ring, no thing. You, 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 you understand? I'm, I'm, but some people want to do Jesus like that. They want to come to him house, sit down with him family, talk up, talk up to him family, get close to them, but them really no wine or nothing with him right now. It, it, it doesn't work that way. Because, listen, 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 listen. Being around the person don't mean you get them inheritance. You know, if you're not married, there's no... What do they call this, this thing when people do? All the money? Or all the money? What, what's it? What's it? All the money? If, if you're not married, there's no inheritance. There's, you really don't get anything. It's the point I'm making. You need... To be in a relationship with God. Amen? Amen? Because earth is just a warm-up act. But you spend thousands, millions of years in eternity. Heaven or hell. But many Christians act like, like that all there is to life is going on here and now. And Peter, First Peter 2.11 teaches us that we are just passing through, so act like it. You're just passing through. You're just, you're just passing through. So getting things is not the goal of life. Getting prepared for heaven is. Getting things is not the goal of life. Getting prepared for heaven. Is, what is your goal in life? To get prepared for heaven. What is the goal of my life? Getting prepared for heaven. Not to get things. People believe like the object of life or the objective in life is to get things. You are just passing through. Come on, just say with me, I'm just passing through. So here's why I don't have no fears about 2021. 2021 is just a part of the journey. It's not my destination. I'm just passing through 2021. So I'm not going to look like it. I'm not going to be like it. Because I'm not staying here. I'm going to heaven. 2021 is just one of the bus stop I stop at. Or the rest stop I stop. You understand what I mean? I'm passing through. So no matter what happens in 2021. It's not going to really bother me. Because that's not where I'm going to stay forever. That's not my destination. That's just a part of the journey. That gets me to my destination. Understand it. It's like you are getting ready to go to a very fancy restaurant. Where they have like a seven course meal prepared for you. And you dress up really really nice. But you had a very long journey. You have to travel to get to the restaurant. And somehow you saw a little soup vendor on the street side. And say let me stop and buy me a cup of soup and support the little brother you understand me before me get to the restaurant come here around 45 minutes to go and stuff and me just pep up myself and you stop to buy the soup and soup man start give you attitude you just wind up back your window jail account and say keep your soup i pass me a pass through 
because where you're going is way better than what he's offering. You see, that's what 2021 is. 2021, where I'm going is way better than what you're offering. So you're not going to stop me. You're not going to distract me. You're not going to affect me. You're just part of the journey that I must pass through. You're probably my dark valley that lead that I'm going to go through to get to where God is bringing me. This is not my destination. That is why I have confidence that I'm going to make it and this year is going to be good and next year is going to be good because all of these things are just part of my journey but they are not my destination. They are not my end points. Getting things it's not the goal of life. Getting prepared for heaven is. So how do you do it? You build character. You build it by growing. That's what you're taking with you. You're not taking things with you to heaven. You're taking your character. So live in light of eternity. Realize that you're not going to be here forever. And you really don't own anything. Does everybody go to heaven? Absolutely not. Everybody does not go to heaven. He lets those in heaven who want to be with him because they love him during their time on earth. You get in eternity what you decide in time. So let me ask you a question as we conclude. I want to ask you, I want you to think, if you should die today, tonight, are you 100% sure that you would go to heaven? I want you to think about that. And if your answer, whether you're watching online or you're here, if your answer is no, let me help you. Let me give you four things that can help you to be sure. First, you have to admit. Admit that God has not had first place in your life and that you have sinned. For the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from every wrong. Secondly, you believe. You believe that Jesus died for your sins. For the word of the Lord says that if you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I know sometimes people ask, but what if I sin after I give my life to Christ? I always say to them, are you mad? You're going to sin. It's not if. You are going to sin. Amen? Amen? So, when they say, what if I sin? No, just let me help you. You are going to sin. You are going to sin. So, confess your sins to him. And he's faithful and just to forgive you. Number three, you accept. You accept God's free gift of salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you are saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Then finally, you invite. You invite Jesus to come into your life and take control. John 1, 12 to 13 says, To all who believe in him, he gives the right to become children of God. And all we need to do is to trust him to save us. All those who believe this are reborn. Not a physical rebirth, but from the will of God. God is still in control. I don't need to panic, to be in anxiety, to be in fear or worry. What do I need? I don't need a new job. I don't need more money. I don't need, 
I don't need a new house. I don't need a new car. What do I need for 20, 21? Jesus is all I need. I don't need anything else. If I know the shepherd, I don't have to fear anything. I don't need to fear poverty because the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. I don't need to fear loneliness for he's with me. I don't need to fear mistakes for he guides me on the right path. I don't need to fear failure for he restores my soul. I don't need to fear the future because goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. I don't need to fear death because I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God is beneath me in green pastures. He's beside me in still waters. He's with me in the valley. He's around me in the presence of my enemies. He's upon me anointing my head with oil. He's before me, leading me in the right paths. He's behind me. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. He is even beyond me in heaven. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What more could I want? What more could you want? That covers it all. Jesus is all you need. The good shepherd provides protection. The good shepherd provides provision. The good shepherd provides peace. The good shepherd provides providence. The good shepherd provides companionship. His presence and paradise. And that wraps it all up. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. For the Lord to be your shepherd, the shepherd must be your Lord. For the Lord to be your shepherd, the shepherd must be your Lord. And so with every head bowed and eye closed, I'm going to ask this question one more time. And I want you to be completely honest with yourself and with God. And if you're online, I want you to be honest and you can indicate your decision by making a comment and then we will respond. So here's my question to you again. If you were to die today, are you 100% sure that you would go to heaven to be with the Lord? If your answer to that question is no, and you'd love to change that to a yes, I want to lead you in a simple prayer to help you. All I'm asking you to do is to just stand right where you are right now. Deep down in your heart, you know that if I should die, I know I would not spend eternity with God. But I want to. If you stand, I'll lead you in a simple prayer. You see, if you have to wait until someone else do it or does it before you do, it makes no sense. I won't even belong because I want to pray for everyone else. If you're here and that's you. Are you 100% sure? Didn't ask you about a relationship. Didn't ask you about the sin that you're committing. I'm not trying to give you a strategy how to deal with the problem you think is preventing you. I'm not here to do that. I just want to lead you in a simple prayer where you'll trust God.
and you'll give him full control. Because if God gave his life, he's certainly able to work out everything else. If he gave his only son, what else would he not be willing to do? What else would he not be willing to help you with? To help you to overcome. To help you to go through. I thank you, those of you who stood up for your obedience. See, one day I had to stand like this. Because I knew that at that point, if I had died, I'd have spent eternity separated from God. And uh, when the reality hit me, I had to stand to my feet and walk up to an altar and humbly accept Jesus Christ. So if you're standing, I'm going to lead you in a simple a simple prayer. All you have to do is just repeat it after me. And believe by faith. And then you trust God to do what he does best. I want to say, Heavenly Father, I stand today admitting that I need the shepherd to be my Lord. So Lord, forgive me of my sins. For I have sinned. And I need your grace and your mercy. I'm a sinner, Lord. And I need a savior. And only you can save me. So come into my heart today and be my Lord and my Savior. I recommit my life to you. I commit my life to you. I surrender to you, Lord. I believe in your son, Jesus Christ. I believe that he died for my sins. I believe that he was buried but now he's resurrected and seated at your right hand. Thank you, Lord, for giving me another chance. I give you full control. Now I can be 100% sure that if I die, I will spend eternity with you. See, how do I know about that? Scripture says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We thank you, Lord God, for your word of salvation. Listen, I want to pray for you all. I'm going to ask the rest of you to just stand and just lift your hands with me. I want to pray that surely goodness and mercy will follow you. Come on, just lift your hands and just begin to declare that over your life. Just say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Come on, say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow my spouse or my children and or shall follow my family. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow 
Oh Jesus, shall follow my community, shall follow my workplace. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow. Come on, just lift your hand and say, Lord, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Say, I thank you, Lord, for watching over me. And all things are working together for my good. Thank you, Lord, for working in me. When I look over my life, I see your goodness and I see your mercy. I thank you, Lord, that heaven is waiting for me. That you have gone to prepare a place for me. That where you are, there I will also be. Just say, Lord, I'm ready for heaven. And until you take me home, I will faithfully serve you one day at a time here on this earth. So, Lord, we bless you and thank you and we honor you and we give you glory and we give you praise. This is your day. It is the day that you have made. And we will rejoice and be glad in it. In Jesus' strong and mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, just clap your hands for the Lord.